Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse in their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Tanya DePass. Tanya, welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Enjoying the weekend. I really don't want to go to work tomorrow because I have all the meetings. Yeah, I totally understand. I just, I need to chill, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Tanya, who are you? Um, well, I'm the person who is behind I Need Diverse Games, which is a little over six months old now, almost seven. And I'm slightly overwhelmed at the moment because it's been awesome and busy, but I still need my day job. So, um, I'm just doing a lot of cool things. I've actually been talking to folks about an anthology and gaming and trying to do a lot more gaming. And right before we started um, recording, I was streaming a little bit of Resident Evil Revelations, too. So I've got um, a lot going on right now. So what is I Need Diverse Games? So it's me being frustrated with the standard protagonist being the scruffy male white dude. Um, with man pain as the plot device and women being sacrificed and also just not good representation. So it started as that frustration and then it grew into its own Tumblr, its own Twitter. Um, I'll see what else is going on. There's a Facebook page, we have a Patreon. So it's turned into kind of a rallying cry because I, I was, you know, I said the right thing at the right time and many people were feeling the same frustration. And it's just, it's turned to this awesome thing where people are discussing the need for diversity more than they already were, I think. Which is amazing and has come up on this show more than once. Um, it's kind of a, as you might imagine, a kind of a theme of, <laughs> of less than or equal is like, we need all sorts of people in video games. So did it start, it started just as a Twitter hashtag, didn't it? It did. And thanks to uh, Mickey Kendall, a.k.a. Carnifia. She tweeted it, and she's got like a th like tens of thousands of Twitter followers, like thirty thousand, and it started to trend, and it took off between that like quarter to six a.m. first tweet with it on October seventh, oh and by the time I got to work, she called me and she was like, "So, you kind of need to get some security measures and block bots on your Twitter account because this has gone wild." <laughs> And it just really took off from there. I know people are very receptive and that there's just been such a great outpouring of, I believe the same thing. What can I do to help? Or I'm already talking about these things. Let's collaborate or, you know, let me use your hashtag. And it's just been amazing. So what was it like <laughs> to get that call? Like, It was kind of like, um, my friend's calling me and I'm at work. This can't be good. So, you know, when you get a call on your cell phone when you're at work, you kind of you kind of wonder what's gone wrong. The sinking feeling. Exactly. And she she was like, you know, don't be alarmed. But she did, you know, let me know it's trending. And without fail, that there were people trying to co-opt and, you know, being as we're now used to being ridiculous in the tag and anything from this is stupid. There's already diversity. You're not looking to, Oh, this must be some rich white trust fund kid with nothing better to do, which I got 
seven hearty laughs off of because I'm like, that's the furthest thing from the truth. <laughs> um, so it was, it was good. It was gratifying. And I'm just really glad that it's taken off because, you know, it it's gratifying to know I'm not the only person thinking this way. Have you seen any like measurable outcomes from it yet? Or is it still um, because six months isn't like in game dev time isn't a long time. Um, is it still kind of like a, a nebulous thing or like are you getting comments from game developers and game writers who are talking about how they're going to increase the diversity in their games? Um, it's still nebulous, but there are people in the industry following me and we we have, you know, just kind of, hey, this is a cool thing or I think it's a cool thing. Um like some of the Bioware devs have started to follow me on Twitter and actually I met Monver Air at GDC when he gave his speech about diversity and isms and is and I can't pronounce correctly anymore today. Um <laughs> But that's one of the great motivations I have because, you know, I'm not a crier. I don't get really like hyper emotional about stuff. But that speech and kind of seeing things empirically in front of me, like the things I already knew, but seeing someone in the industry who works on games that I, I love and adore talking about this and just kind of seeing it laid out, it really got to me and I actually cried during his speech. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I saw him later at GDC, and he was really cool, and we chatted. And then I actually kind of followed up with him after INDG took off. And he's he's just been really awesome. And, you know, he fights for diversity all the time. He was doing this before the hashtag came about, before I really, you know, knew about GDC and all the, all the back-end kind of dev stuff. Um and it's just been really awesome to chat with the people who make games, both indie and AAA, that are committed to more diversity. It's good to hear. Yeah, it's it's been really awesome. So it's, you know, for for every one or two negative tweets or remarks it gets by, you know, it's gratifying to know that that's not the standard. That's not what everyone thinks. Because if it was, nobody would have cared about the hashtag. It wouldn't have taken off if people weren't feeling this way anyway it wouldn't nobody would have cared it it would have mm -hmm. trended for like a day and then died off yeah um it's and it's encouraging because you know i went to pax east this year um and i didn't walk the expo hall a whole lot but the indie game area was kind of small and it seemed like the you know the triple a games are doing what triple a games do and i didn't see a lot of like diversity there or um and I'm, I'm, i do wonder if part of that was because you know gdc butted up against pax east and people had to pick one or the other to go to but yeah um you know i'm I'm ready and i feel like you know i'm definitely not the only one who wants to see you know i've talked about i think my first episode like different body types different mm -hmm. races different sexual orientations different you know it's just we have such a wide spectrum of people in the world and to cater to the cisgendered heterosexual white man is just, you know, there, there are only so many of those stories we can tell. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's also just kind of lazy storytelling. There are other people who exist in the world and for gaming at this point to not reflect that diversity is really sad. Yeah. And we're missing out on a whole range of human experience here. And it makes me just wonder, it's like, how how little empathy do people have that they cannot 
you know, see a character that is not like them in the lead and still be able to play that game. Because I've had to do it my most of my gaming life. I'm not a straight white dude, but yet that's what I have to get to play unless it's a game where I can make my own character. And even then. Right. And even then there are limitations, you know, for, for as much as I stand for Bioware and as hardcore as I love them. There are things that, you know, they don't do well. And there are things like, you know, with Inquisition, there is no body diversity. All the Inquisitors have the same body type, one. Mm. Um, There's not a lot of hairstyle options. There's like four natural hairstyles or bald if you're trying to make a black Inquisitor or brown Inquisitor. Um, So there's things that could be done better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, character creation is um, a blessing and a curse. And in fact, I was talking to a friend who's trying to uh, write a game, and she was like, "I don't know how to handle. Like, I want to have character creation, um, but I want to make sure that you know people who are transgender can have someone who looks like them, and not someone who looks, you know, like I want to have tall ladies and short ladies, and and not someone." you know, just, I want to have representation, but how do I not overwhelm people with choices? And, um, you know, I was like, I don't know, but you know, it's, it's something that needs to happen. I'm so glad that she's thinking about that, that, you know, it's, and it's not just about skin color or, 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 you know, sexual orientation or, or whatever. There's a whole lot that can go into this and make, make diverse games where people can see themselves. Yes. What I really like about the saints row franchise, actually, um, I just picked up saints row Four: reelected and get out of hell. And it's, you know, it's not overwhelming, but you can make a character that is, you know, not, you know, gender binary. That is not strictly a white dude. You can be an alien. You can have purple hair. And I think that's why I really like the games, beside their over-the-top ridiculousness. Um, but it's a good example of you can be basically who you want to be in the game. Yeah, and there's a game, uh, Always Sometimes Monsters, um, which I guess does this really well, too. Um, but allows you to be whoever you want to be, and it's one that I think I need to check out soon. Um, I have a code for it, but I haven't had a chance to download it since PAX. Oh, wow. That sounds interesting. I'll I'll have to look for it and check it out. Yeah, it's um, so my friend Ken Gagney, um, who does the Polygamer podcast, had a couple um, put together a couple of panels. And one of them was on. Um, oh, my gosh, the subtitle is all the feels. And so it was talking about um, they had the person developing Ninja Pizza Girl, um, someone from Always Sometimes Monsters, someone from This War of Mine. um, And then I believe my friend Anna McGill, who's been a previous guest and who's a games writer. um, And yeah, they were talking all about diversity. But um, but the the guy from Always Sometimes Monsters is like, look, my games are always going to represent all sorts of people. Like, it's disingenuous for me not to include that. So um, that might be someone I can get you in touch with. You can talk to more about it. That would be awesome because, you know, gamers, they're, we're all different sorts of folks. And, 
catering to one demographic isn't really helping the industry, in my humble opinion, as someone who does not actually make games. But I'm the person that's expected to drop $60, $70 on a game. And so if I keep buying games where, or seeing games where women like me or people like me don't exist except as cannon fodder, it's kind of hard to keep wanting to buy those games. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, there are games that I've really loved, but I'm I'm just ready to see more, more people in them. Um, and you know, Brianna Wu recently they're doing their PC port of uh, Revolution sixty, and they decided to redo like the armor and, in fact, actually redid some of the bodies of the characters for Revolution sixty for the PC release. Oh, cool. Um, which, you know, I don't know if you've seen the art for it, but it was in a very, like, anime, like, Sailor Moon type style. Yes. Um, and so it's it's less kind of lycra and spandex now and more, like, actual kind of armor-looking suits. Um, you know, still, still body-conforming, but, you know actual armor and they kind of broadened waistlines and um i kind of have mixed feelings about changing art that's already been done art in a game that's already been done like on the one hand i'm like yes you know i'm really happy to see this but on the other hand you know the game was what it was so i don't know do you have any opinions about that um i think it's good to change if it's for a good reason you know, like, wanting to see the diversity and wanting to improve the game, I think it's a really good reason. Um, and, it, and it also gives a difference to the PC port, you know, but it's also thinking about it kind of at the forefront when you're designing, because my, um, my degree is actually in user-centered design. So I would think, of, I would hope I would think about that stuff at the beginning of it. But again, being able to shift direction and think about this is something we didn't do at the outset, but we can improve and make it better and consider the rest of the, our player base. I think it's a really good sign. Now, when people change things just to be contrary or, you know, like if, if Dead or Alive 5 changed its character design, I would jump for joy. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, I have nothing against sex in games or sexy characters, but at a point when boobs are bouncing independently of their other, of each other, you might have a problem. <laughs> yeah. But I think about it with, I play World of Warcraft and it notoriously has, you know, bad armor for, for the female characters. And, um, I really wish that Blizzard would revisit their art style too but you know i doubt that'll happen with this game anyway yeah i don't see blizzard turning course anytime soon but hopefully with um the new ip that's coming out they will think about the designs before the game launches because i'm drawing a total blank on the name of the game isn't it overwatch yes you're right yeah i had to think about it for a second i always want to call it (laughs) over something else not the actual name but like the the designs of the of the women characters were okay, but they were still kind of you know skin tight armor, no body type diversity, which they did with Zariah, which was awesome. Um, but I can't remember if there's many or any POC characters for Overwatch. I don't think any have been announced. Um, it's I didn't actually play it. Let me see. I'm looking here. Oh, there are some different skin colors 
um, if you go to um, the Battle Not battle.net page okay um, but i don't know if they're going to be primary characters or not um, yeah so i mean it's cool and there there are a couple characters and i like that they changed zoraya and that's just another example of they heard player feedback and changed it but the character standing next to zoraya it's like her midriff is wide open here please shake mm-hmm. me right in the chest <laughs> yeah which is pretty typical for for blizzard right yeah yeah um, but I don't know, kind of looking at, at this page, I'm, I'm actually fairly impressed with the armor of these characters. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely some, <laughs> some ladies with parts hanging out, um, which I wouldn't imagine would work well in a battle scenario, but, um, maybe, maybe they are taking steps and I would I would be extremely grateful if this is this is how it continues to look going forward. And even if they got better, you know, how about a breastplate or something, you know? Yeah, because, you know, I don't know about you, but if I'm going into battle, I don't want like my vital organs. It's like here, just place the X right on my chest and start. Right. <laughs> so. Hair, my heart and my lungs. <laughs> yeah. So what kinds of games do you like to play? Um, I like mostly everything except for first-person shooters, and that's really just because they make me kind of nauseous. I'm a big RPG fan, you know, like, I will play Final Fantasy until the wheels fall off of it, probably once Final Fantasy XV comes out. Um, I've got that pre-ordered because I'm that nerd. Um, (laughs) Definitely Bioware games. I just finished my fifth run of Inquisition. Oh, wow. Yeah, I so <laughs> that's not a short game. No, so I actually took vacation time when Inquisition came out. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, it was just it was the end of a busy season at work and that was my reward to myself. Um, took a week off, played straight through, went to the midnight launch, and then, you know, just kind of every night when I didn't have something to do, I would get in a few hours. And then once I got through the game, the first time I had a better idea of what to do. That first playthrough mm-hmm. was really, really long. And I, I'm i not ashamed to say I had to consult the uh, Prima Guide once in a while. <laughs> um, let's see what else. I just started Resident Evil Revelations 2. And um, Brianna Wu had really, really good things to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked it up because I didn't realize it was episodic at first. I was like, oh, it's six bucks. That's so cheap. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's episodes, but I'll still buy it. <laughs> um, so I played through the whole first episode today, and I'm in the middle of the second episode, but I I literally wandered around for 20 minutes trying to find my way out of a room until someone watching the stream was like, hey, that crate you keep walking by, you need it. Oh, no. Yeah, I felt a little silly because I'm like, why can't I find my way out of this room? Um. And I like driving games. I do, like I said, I love Saints Row, and it's it's the fault of my friend Jenna, who got me into it because she talked about it so much. Like, let me check this game out because you know, if someone is that enamored of a game, I figure there has to be something about it. Uh huh. And I checked it out, and I loved it. It's just total over the top mayhem. <laughs> you know, and people go, "Oh my god, you shoot people!" It's like, well, yes, but you also shoot people in other games, right? A lot of other, most other games. Right. Um, I actually tried Uncharted during the week. I tried um, the PlayStation Now service. 
but I knew I wouldn't finish the game in the in the time allotted for my rental. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this, but I guess in the first Uncharted, most of your enemies are like unnamed masses of brown folks that you kill. Oh. Yeah, because uh, someone I used to know was like hardcore into it. So again, I tried it out. And, but I didn't start with Uncharted 1. I, I watched him play Uncharted 2 and 3. And I, I had no clue about Unchar- the first Uncharted until someone else was like, you know th- this about the game. And I was like, oh, okay then. I, I think my my enjoyment of the game is kind of tarnished a bit. And I actually canceled mm-hmm. my pre-order of Uncharted 4 before it was announced to be delayed. Yeah, I saw the trailer and it just didn't really wow me. I was like, oh, more climbing in the jungle with a scruffy white dude that's brown haired. Oh, joy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Welcome to video games. Yeah, it's like yeah. I could p- go back and play any number of games I already own if that's the experience I want. I'm not going to give Naughty Dog more money for doing the same thing over and over. Uh, so I actually have not played fin- any Final Fantasy game. Ever? Um, ever. Oh my god. So, right? I, I thought you might react with a little <laughs> bit of horror after you said that it's like your favorite. Um, not horror, just like I'm, su- <laughs> I'm usually surprised when no one's played any Final Fantasy game ever. Well, so my my story is basically um, I had a Sega Genesis growing up and I had an original Game Boy and um, any other systems um, I had to go to friends' houses to play. Um, so, you know, it's, I didn't really have a lot of choice and Final Fantasy is not really something that you go over to someone's house to play for like two hours and then leave and, you know. Um, and then, you know, as I got older and, you know, like I didn't have a computer that could actually run it. And so like, there have always been like these barriers to entry and people really love final fantasy. So where should, where do you think someone new to the series? Like who knows kind of what's going on, but who hasn't actually played, where should they start? Mm, Well, that's tough because with the next gen versions, because final fantasy 14 is out and zero is out I would say if you can go back, maybe even go back as far as like nine or ten, because I think ten, yeah, ten is on the three hundred and sixty. So I'd say maybe start with ten and go from there. Skip eleven because it's an MMO, which is on a dead server. Mm-hmm. Um, and fourteen is a it wasn't attempted an MMO again. Um, I would say ten. So ten, ten to. 12, 13, 13, 2. And I haven't played 14, so I don't know how good it is. Um, but the the demo play I've seen of 15 looks really promising. So what is it that you like about Final Fantasy? So back when I was a baby gamer and, you know, really entranced with everything Japanese before I understood what a horrible thing it was to be an otaku and a weeaboo. <laughs> I was, it was just really interesting. And plus chocobos. I'm, I'm, I'm a softie for chocobos. I must admit <laughs> it. Um, but it was just fun. It was just something I could do for hours on end and entertain myself. And Final Fantasy VII, I will still sometimes fire up the PlayStation 2 and go back and play it. Yeah, Seven's the one that, that seems to be the one I hear the most about. Um People were like, and one of my best friends played, I don't know, thousands and thousands of hours of Final Fantasy VII. Um, and I don't know if you have a PS4, but they're actually going to re-release Seven, but they're not changing it. It's going to be the same 8-bit game. 
Oh, interesting. Which I found surprising. But, you know, for someone who's steeped in nostalgia, you could have the same experience on your next-gen console. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I haven't – so I haven't played the leg- any of the Zelda games either. So I got a new 3DS um, the day after release day. I was, hap- I was lucky enough to stumble across one. And so the first game I downloaded was uh, A Link to the Past. And so I've been, you know, playing that because it's supposed to be the most – You know, initially it was going to be like a port of one of the original Zelda games, and then they kind of made it into its own thing. Um but it's kind of fun to kind to kind of get into that, like, this is kind of what it felt like mentality. Um, so that'll be interesting. I don't have a PS4 yet, but it's kind of on, midway on the list of things to acquire at some point in the next couple of years. Oh, cool. I I got one at launch. It was like my splurge last year for the holidays. Um, and I'm already running out of room on the hard drive. So that's my next purchase is to upgrade the hard drive on it. Yeah, I want one, but it's just like, okay, I've got, you know, I've, I have this backlog of, of like Nintendo games to play now, so I can go get through that and then, I don't know, maybe the price will drop, probably not. <laughs> maybe I can get it for a little bit less later on. Oh, I'm sure there'll be holiday sales again at some point or maybe graduation sales, because um, right now I think the Xbox One is down to 349 with a Halo bundle. That's true. I have seen... Um, have seen that it's not four hundred anymore. Well, four fifty. Yeah, because isn't it's four ninety nine if you get the version with a connect, and I think three ninety nine without. Yeah, I don't want to connect. <laughs> no, that's how Skynet no. started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like no, that kind of creeps me out on many levels. I don't need Microsoft in my living room, like able to monitor my movements. Yeah. Exactly. A little conspiracy theory, but it's okay. Hey, I said it I said the same thing. Um and actually it's funny, my partner he got me one for my birthday one year, and I don't think he realized how just not interested in the connect I was for the three sixty. Not happening. Nope, not yeah. at all. Um, so are there any games coming out soon that you're looking forward to? You Borderlands is out now. Borderlands is out. I need to get that. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got Witcher Three pre-ordered. I'm on the fence because depending on what I read about it, it's either terrible or awesome, and it was delayed. So, um, I've got it pre-ordered still, and mostly Final Fantasy Fifteen is what I'm really waiting on. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that I'm just like must get game as soon as it comes out. <sighs> When does 15 come out? Um, that is a good question. And I've heard good things about Final Fantasy Zero. Really? Because I had, like, for whatever reason, it just really did not catch my interest. Um, it's a, oh, it's still got December 31st when you look at the Amazon pre-order. Oh, so maybe not even until next year. And I pre-ordered this literally two years ago. Because <laughs> it tells you, hey, you pre-ordered it on yeah. this date. It's like, oh, I pre-ordered it before the system was even out. I'm smart. Good job. <laughs> so um let's go back to I Need Diverse Games because I know that noticed that you've been um adding moderators to like to Steam. Yes. Um 
and is more curators. Um, so can you talk about, um, what you're planning on doing over the next, I don't know, year or so with I Need Diverse Games? So, um, Shadow Praxis, Rob is, is running the Steam curation group because he's awesome and he spends far more time on Steam than I do because I suck at being on Steam, like social part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then it's just, it's a lot because I, like I said, I still have my full time job and there are folks who like, I want to help. What can I do to help? So I'm not going to turn away folks who want to lend a hand. Um, right now, the plan is to do an anthology, and every time I've done a podcast in the last month, I keep saying this, but I, <laughs> I'm going to buckle down and get the call for submissions ready. Um, it's just finding a good theme and a good balance so that we can get multiple, or we can get submissions from more than one type of person, because mm-hmm. I don't want someone to go, oh, well, I'm not in the industry, I can't contribute, or, you know, I'm not... A serious gamer, I can't contribute because, as far as I'm concerned, if you play a game, whether it's a mobile, tabletop, you know, console, PC, you're a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also realize that you know the same story over and over could not be really good reading material because you know there's a lot of different ways everyone can talk about how they were influenced or affected by gaming or being marginalized as a gamer. So we're trying to still find a good balance and a theme before we put out a call for submissions. Um, Ideally, it would be out at some point next spring, because it is a 9 to 12 month process. Luckily, I've got a couple friends who work in publishing who are helping with this. Um, What I proposed is a couple panels at um, AlterConf Chicago, because they're having an event in August. Um, and GX3, or or GamerX, as it was previously called, I've submitted a proposal for that. Um, so we want to do a lot more conventions, but it is also a money money thing and time, because not everyone has yep. vacation time. Um, and we want to do more fundraising. We're actually going to do another Teespring in connection with AlterConf, Alter, Alternate Conference, um, to try to sponsor the Chicago event because it takes about 500 to sponsor a city event. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do like a limited edition t-shirt with the goal of making enough to sponsor Alter Conference in Chicago in August. That is amazing. Um, Ash Dryden was actually one of my first guests on the show. Cool. Um, and she's she's one of the organizers of um, AlterConf and one of, still one of my favorite episodes to date. Um, I just... I just thought it was amazing, and I'm so excited every time I see um, see the stuff that's coming out of the the AlterConf, um, the various AlterConfs around the country. I'm like, it's stoked. And for those of you listening who haven't heard that episode or haven't heard of AlterConf, it's just basically one evening conferences um, that that they put on in different places throughout the U.S., Canada, and I believe they're. I don't know if they're going to Europe or not, but I know the U.S. and Canada for sure. And um, it's just just an evening. They pay people to submit talks. And I know that they're always looking for people in these cities they're going to. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, even if you've never spoken before, they um, they want people submitting talks. So definitely like check it out because I'm I'm so jealous they're they're not coming to Phoenix 
um, that they've announced. So I'm like, dang, but maybe I can make it to Chicago for that one or I don't know something. Bunk, Bunk with friends. I don't know. You know what? If you don't mind a cat and a couch, you're more than welcome to come hang out with me. I might take you up on that because I I really, really want to go. There's also, I have um, friends in Montreal who are like, well, you could come to UltraConf Montreal. And I was like, okay, you know, so Twist we'll see what happens. Twist your arm to go. I know, please. <laughs> so, but again, I, I run in, with less than or equal, I run into the same issues that you are. Like, this is a... a much as I hate this phrase, this is a passion project for me. And, you know, everything that I've done so far has been out of pocket from, mm-hmm. you know, hosting costs to equipment to going to PAX East. Um, I actually used my car fund. So if something happens to our car and we need to get a new one, like my, my deposit for a new car went to a new used car went to go to PAX East. So oh, dear. Um, I, I totally and completely understand where you're coming from. And um, one of my goals is to go to more conferences and to, to sponsor conferences, too. I just can't do it right now. Yeah, we have a Patreon. And, um, you know, right now we're only getting like close to $30 a month. But, you know, that that'll as long as it stays in the account, it'll it'll add up. Um, but we actually just added some goals of if we get like $100 a month, we want to help other people go to things because while I might not be able to take off or other moderators might not be able to take off and, and go to conventions, if we can at least drop 50 bucks to someone to say, here, go to this IGDA thing, here's the 50 bucks to cover the event, that would be something we want to do. I think that's excellent. Um, so what is, what is the Patreon page? Patreon.com slash INDG. Um, it is, I need D I V G M S because I need diverse games was a little too long. Too for, long. Yeah. So it's the same actually as our Twitter handle, which is at I N I need D I V G M S. Yes. So yay. We're up to $28 and eight patrons. <laughs> Okay, well, I I have another $3 a month that I'll chip in as soon as I'm done here because I have $20 a month that I um, use to sponsor people, which isn't a lot, but I figure it does a little bit of good. So It does I'll a chip lot in, of good. Yeah, I'll chip in my 3 bucks, And, you know, if, if every listener of less than or equal chipped in a buck a month, um, it would it would be, you know, extremely helpful. So, you know, if, if you guys have a buck a month, you can submit or donate, please do. And then... Um, yeah, I'm actually, I've been working on my Patreon this weekend for the show too, to, to do the same things that you want to do. So I I totally understand. Yeah. And then for those that, you know, maybe you can't commit to a monthly thing, but you may have like five extra bucks. We do have a donate button on the Tumblr, which is why I need diverse games.tumblr.com, um, with a hyphen between the why I need diverse games because Tumblr's stupid and will let me make it all one word. Yeah. Then I'll put a link to the show notes and that, for that too. Um, yeah, I I really like that idea of of sponsoring people, like giving scholarships, you know, basically of some sort or at least a little bit of financial assistance to people because, um, you know, that's for a lot of people that's the only way that their voices are going to be heard because. You know, it's a matter of privilege, it really is, to be able to go to conventions and conferences. It is. I mean, a lot of the stuff I do for work, if work did not pay, there's no way I could go to even our regional conference. Because while it doesn't seem like it's a lot of money on the front end, it adds up when you throw in hotel and meals and transportation. Um, 
Because when I went to GDC, it was on the um, generosity of a friend who wanted me to go because she wanted to go and show her portfolio and do work and, um, you know, try to get in the industry herself. So GDC is not cheap. And even people who work in the industry, you know, there's no guarantee their company is going to pay their way because a full ride is over a thousand dollars. And that's before you add in the flight. And, you know, San Francisco is not a cheap city. No. So you're looking at a at least two to three grand for GDC if you buy a full pass and a week in a hotel and flight. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's money is money is dumb. Money is very dumb. I may you know, depending on where we are by the middle of the year, I may even try to crowdfund going to GDC next year because I do want to go. I do wanna speak on diversity and kind of, you know. I'm a glutton for punishment, and I want to be terrified to speak in, in front of however many people. <laughs> um, but I am—I already kind of put out there on Twitter that that is a goal is to speak at GDC next year. And if you know if the talk isn't accepted, fine. But I do want to go because GDC is a professional conference, and there's people there that care about diversity. And the talks that came out of GDC this year were amazing. Yeah, that and that's actually why I went to PAX too. Is you know, and I got some flack um, from from some people who were like, "Well, you know, you know, it's Penny Arcade Expo, and Penny Arcade guys are kind of jerks, and you know, they're they're transphobic and they're sexist, and they don't treat people well." And I was like, "I I totally understand all of these things." Um, and and I debated a lot whether whether PAX was a good place for a show about diversity to like really, you know, go and try to make a difference. But I met a ton of amazing people there. Um, and I'm actually probably going to have quite a few guests coming up from just, you know, going up to people and after after panels and introducing myself. And um, I think it's going to be invaluable for that. And I learned so much um, about like transgender issues that were panels you know with with transgender people talking about representation in video games and it's all valuable so yeah i think it's it's a great goal for for you to go yeah i definitely want to go and i was actually chatting with steve lubitz on twitter a bit after pax and he was telling me about a local convention there um that would be interesting so you know if in in my fantasy world I can make this a full time job, and Patreon, or if I get hired anywhere that will pay me enough to do this, um, I would love to go to more conventions and not just talk about um, diversity, but also just usability because that's the other passion of mine. Because sometimes games controls make zero sense, <laughs> and you just wonder what people were thinking when they designed them. <laughs> Have you been in touch with uh, the people at Able Gamers yet? Not yet. Um, I just retweeted their um, their stream about joining, but I have not yet been in touch. I think they follow us on I Need Diverse Games. If not, I will reach out to them. I, if you have a contact, that would be awesome. Um, I spoke briefly with the CEO um, after a panel on... Um, uh, increasing usability in games um, for people with different disabilities. And um, we'll hopefully have him on the show pretty soon. But um, I I can see if he remembers me and I'm happy to put in a <laughs> word for you, but, you know, for whatever it's worth. But um, I was at the panel I sat in, I was really, really impressed with, um, you know, all of all of the different 
things they've thought about and put research into like, you know, here, here are tips for creating games for, you know, visually impaired people and specifically, you know, colorblindness. And, you know, here's, here's some stuff for people with, um, you know, limited hand mobility and, um, Able Gamer seems like an amazing, amazing resource, um, for, for really anyone doing any kind of, um, I'm, I'm thinking like iOS and Android type development, especially, um, you know, but even computers and, you know, allow remapping of keys and that kind of thing too. So. Yeah. One of my friends is actually, um, she proposed a panel at WizCon, which I don't know if you ever get out to WizCon. It's a feminist convention in Madison every year, but there's been more um, panels on things besides just writing. It's about intersectionality and feminism and a lot of things about gaming, especially, you know, hopefully this will be true sooner than later, post-Gamergate. Um, but a friend of mine proposed a panel on disability and gaming and those issues. And hers is more representation-focused, but I'm trying to talk her into proposing a similar panel for AlterConf in Chicago. That would be, I think that would be an excellent topic. Yeah, because it's, it's something you don't think about. And there's ableism in games that, you know, I did not pick up on until someone pointed it out, because much like people don't pick up on things with race, as someone who's neurotypical and not disabled, I don't think about these things at times. And it takes someone pointing out going, you know, that's bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, and, and I think that's okay. The, where my, where my beef comes in is when people don't pay attention to those and someone's like, well, Hey, have you ever looked at it from this other perspective, how it's, you know, hard for people with limited hand mobility to control the mouse in this game. and you know, some people are like, well, oh, well, I guess they can't play it. And that's what bothers me. It's like, okay, no, maybe the response is, oh, let's, let's look at, you know, giving them better control over the mouse sensitivity or, or something. Um, you know, I think our failing as people, you know, and going back to empathy, as you were talking about earlier is, you know, like when people talk to you about something, pay attention. And I don't think, you know, Gamergate, I think is endemic. Like it shows how bad people can be at that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really telling when you, when you see that, because a lot of people just don't, they just don't think about it. And a lot of times they don't care. Yeah. It's all about me. Yeah. And that's, that's why I like minority media so much because they do believe in empathy games. And, you know, playing Papo Yo just was amazing because it makes you think about empathy. It makes you think about what people go through. And actually, I think it's still free this month on the PS on PS Plus for PlayStation 3. Um, you know, there's a whole genre of games focusing on empathy. And I'm sure they are among the people where if someone contacted them and said, hey, there's this issue with playing the game because it's I have to hold down the mouse for too long to accomplish a goal. They'd probably listen. Yeah. And I think that it's so important. It's just so important. It is. Um, let's see what else we're trying to do. We're trying to do way too much, probably. <laughs> um, um, I keep kicking around a calendar idea, but I have no idea where to start because I think that's probably more realistic. It's just putting out a call and putting it together. but. 
that's one thing where I just have zero groundwork to go from. And it's already March, so I don't know how quickly you could put together something like that. What, well, what's do you have an idea for what you want the images on the calendar to be or? Um, well, there's already like a cause there's already cosplay calendars. So, mm. you know, like marginalized folks just either gaming or maybe showing their favorite game or something like that. Um, just kind of, hey, we exist, too, which we know. But it would be awesome just to have a year full of people that look just like you. Right. <laughs> You know, just kind of me with my controller staring intently at Dragon Age. And Glaring <laughs> at the screen. Yes. I'm really excited by the by the anthology, though. I'm already thinking about, like, depending upon how you <laughs> how you do it. I was like, hmm, I wonder how I could contribute to that. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, what kind of theme you decide to go with for for that. Yeah, and my friends who are helping with this, I'm going to tell them yell at me because if I have not, if I have not responded to an email or you see me online and I have not answered you, just poke me. Just feel free to yell at me and talk about me because that will motivate me. So are there? So you've got okay anthology coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got the Patreon, so that you and other people can go to conventions. Um, you've got this curated steam, uh, channel, mm -hmm. you have a Tumblr that you do, you're yes. on Twitter. Yes. Um, so I, I, it sounds like you have your hands full. Like that's, <laughs> those are a lot of little things taking up attention and some of them not so little. Yeah. Well, um, Dragon Rain and Video Dante help with the Tumblr and the Twitter, um, and then that's why I asked for other people because Facebook, it's, you know, it's all, it's kind of curating across all three platforms, but not making the content exactly the same because mm -hmm. if exactly the same content is in all places, then there's no reason to go to Facebook versus Twitter versus Tumblr, et cetera. Um, and some things are just more conducive to a Facebook audience versus a tweet or a Tumblr post. Um, so Kala... Khmer um, just stepped in to help with the Facebook page because with my day job I can't always be on social media just mm -hmm. because meetings or whatever um, so it's good to have another pair of eyes to grab things and post something that maybe I wouldn't see because maybe we don't travel in the same social circles um, so I think it's really good to have that second third fourth pair of eyes because you know even with four of us you know kind of looking over social media and finding things to to share and to cur curate um there's going to be stuff we miss yeah so um there's there's a lot going on and i'm just trying to find a good way to make it all worthwhile and make make it useful to people how do you stay organized with all of this happening um google calendar <laughs> no really i like all of the podcasts and stuff i've been doing and due dates for panel suggestions and proposals they live on a google calendar because otherwise i would forget and be like oh yeah i meant to do that thing and it's now a week later oops right. yeah um but it's good and i try to have um 
a schedule for some things. Like, we do have a Twitch channel, but the difficulty I've had with that is one PC streaming isn't working out for me right now until we get the video card donation from um, one of our followers. Because for whatever reason, my computer does not like streaming when I try to do it through PC. Uh, but it's also, you can't have multiple Twitch accounts attached to, like, your PSN name. Because I have to log out of one and attach another if I want to stream to the I, I Need Diverse Games Twitch from the PlayStation. Oh, how irritating. Yeah, so I'm. that's part of it is just, I'm going to admit, it's laziness of having to log out and log back in and reattach accounts between trying to stream. But I do want to show um, more games that I've been able to get, like um, Never Alone. I do want to stream that on the I Need Diverse account. And maybe even um, Saints Row 4, since you can have such a, you know, make your own boss and, mm-hmm. you know, make the character very inclusive. So I do want to I do want to do that more on the I Need Diverse Games Twitch. And we have some authorized broadcasters and we also want to just host people if they're streaming. Because, you know, other people playing games we may not own because, you know, streaming games is not cheap. <laughs> no. Buy, yeah, buying games and streaming games, no, not not at all. Yeah, so if we can get into um, streaming and reviewing games as well, um, that would be something we're trying to do. But, you know, that requires more time than a lot of us have because most of us have full-time day jobs. Yeah. So if anyone wants to hire me to review games, I will happily talk to you. I have no shame. I will promote myself all the time. Yeah, I, I, the the day job, you know, I work for a great company. I have a good time, but it really gets in the way some days. when I'm just like, oh, I need to email like 20 people back and uh, record an episode and research for another one. And um, yeah, totally get it. Yeah, so if someone knows how to clone people successfully. (laughs) Or clone money so that, you know, we don't have to have day jobs. Man, cloning money if I could pull that (laughs) off and not get picked up by the feds. Right. You're less than (laughs) or equal. We do not advocate money laundering. Please, please, please do not launder money. Do not counterfeit or launder money. This has been a message from from your podcaster. Your friendly friends. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, we're at about an hour. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about today? Um, I'm trying to think because we've covered so much. I know. We've been all over the place. <laughs> um, really just, um, oh, there is something actually going on. Um, there is an open call for reviewers over at Game Bias and the deadline to submit a pitch is April 1st and they're specifically seeking out diverse reviewers. Nice. Um, and as of Friday on the 28th, Jed over at the game bias Twitter account was mentioning he had not gotten any women who pitched. So on my personal Tumblr and the, I need diverse games Tumblr. I've, I've mentioned it. And on my Facebook page, I've mentioned it that, you know, don't let, the idea of, well, I've never written a pitch, I've never reviewed a game, stop mm-hmm. you, because they want someone who to review a game. And he's basically like, if you have a pulse and like games, <laughs> submit something. 
Okay, that's good to know. Um, and I, I'll get you a link. It's like a 150-word pitch. And, you know, don't be afraid to do it. Just just try it. Perfect. Okay, well, Tanya, how can people find you online? Um, I know you've talked about several ways, but <laughs> if you want to recap, this would be a good time. Okay, so my personal Twitter is at Cypher of Tear, which is C-Y-P-H-E-R-O-F-T-Y-R. And the Diverse Games Twitter is at I need D-I-V-G-M-S. Um, we have email, which is why I need diverse games, all one word, at gmail.com. And our Tumblr, which is where a lot of our activity takes place, is why hyphen I hyphen need hyphen diverse hyphen games.tumblr.com. So why I need diverse games.tumblr.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Um, and if you add us on Twitter or at me on Twitter or email us, we are happy to send links. And we do have a Patreon if you are feeling generous. Because um, we actually just hit a $25 milestone. So we are going to be doing reviews as part of our Patreon perks starting with um, April. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. It was um, follower Mo underscore Ranyart who sent us over our $25 um, milestone. So thank you to Mo. And um, there's some goals added. They're kind of lofty goals, but hey, we want to do this and do this well. And unfortunately, doing things well takes a lot of money, and that's yeah. not something all of us have. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's where to find me. Um, come say hi. Don't bite. And I Twitch, um, I have a Twitch channel, and we also have one, which is both Cypher Tier and I Need Diverse Games. So either one, if you follow us and get notified of when we're streaming, you can just come hang out, say hi. Very cool. Um, and you can find the show on Twitter at Less Than or Equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to lessthanorequal.com and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes and can leave a review on iTunes, it would help us out so much. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.